Let's pray. Father, help us to see what you want us to see in this scripture, to hear from you what you want us to hear and to do, therefore, what you want us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is a sermon about the hidden work of God's grace revealed. I don't know how you feel about stories with happy endings, where the bad end badly and the good end well. Not everyone likes stories like that. Uh, Cecily Cardew is a character in Oscar Wilde's play, The Importance of Being Earnest, and here's a snippet of a conversation she's having with Miss Prism, her governess. Miss Prism says, Do not speak slightingly of the three-volume novel, Cecily. I wrote one myself in earlier days. Cecily replied, Did you really, Miss Prism? How wonderfully clever you are. I hope it did not end happily. I don't like novels that end happily. They depress me so much. Miss Prism says, The good ended happily and the bad unhappily. That is what fiction means. Cecily says, I suppose so, but it seems very unfair. In his usual topsy-turvy way, Oscar Wilde speaks about happy endings. And today we arrive at a kind of end to the story of Joseph. Genesis goes on, but we will stop here. Um, It's an end to the story of Joseph and his brothers and their father Jacob. And it is a happy ending, although perhaps it's unusual in that the bad don't end badly. They actually end well. Today, there are three revelations of the hidden work of God's amazing grace that are in this passage. Three revelations. The first to Joseph, the second to the brothers, and the third to Jacob. Let's begin with the first hidden work of God's grace revealed to Joseph. Now, actually, I'm cheating a bit here because the revelation is that the brothers, his brothers, are not who they were. They're not who they were when they sold him years before into slavery. And this is really what we learned last Sunday uh, in our previous passage, that if you've been with us here over the last few weeks, you'll know that Joseph tested his brothers and he tested them uh, Hard, cruelly, brutally almost, uh, to see what was in their hearts, to see whether they would stand by their brother or not, their brother Benjamin. And Joseph's hard testing has shown that they were no longer inclined to sell out their favoured siblings. Joseph, the favourite of his father, had been resented by his brothers, had been hated and been sold into slavery. But Benjamin, also favoured by his father Joseph, is protected Uh, Judah goes so far as to plead that he be enslaved in the place of his half-brother Benjamin. And so Joseph realises that they are changed men. This is a revelation to him. Uh, He knew that they've been transformed, chastened, tested and proved to be repentant. To really have had a change of heart, of attitude and of action. And this... This is a hidden work of God's grace in the brothers, revealed to Joseph. This is the discovery of God's grace that actually kind of tips Joseph over the edge. where He breaks down in tears. He reveals who he is. He can't go on any longer with this charade. God's grace has been at work in the heart of the brothers, and this is revealed to Joseph. 
The second hidden work of God's grace that is revealed is revealed to the brothers, and it is that God has achieved their salvation in and through and despite of their sin. It is Joseph who unveils this to the awestruck brothers. Verse 4 of our passage today, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. In the very same events, events of long ago, two intentions were both at work. The human intention of the envious brothers. Uh, They said, back in Genesis 37, here comes that dreamer, Joseph, the man with the long-sleeved coat. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And this malice is still at work when they change plans and sell Joseph to passing Ishmaelites and he ends up in Egypt. This is what they planned, what they meant and what they did. And it's what makes them fear God's punishment. Genesis 42, 21, when they're in Egypt and things are going badly, they say, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's the first thing that's going on in those events. But there's another thing. There's another intention at work. The other intention also at work in these events is God's intention. As Joseph keeps saying, God sent me. God sent me ahead of you. He says it in verse 5, in verse 7, and in verse 8. And God's intention in all these events, in Joseph's coming to Egypt, is not to kill or to harm, but to save and to deliver and to bless. As he says in verse 6, for two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there'll be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. But the brothers are not puppets of God. Their intent to act, their choice to act, their power to act is theirs. They sold Joseph. But the brothers' free and rotten acts fulfil God's intentions. Their evil serves God's plan for God. And for Joseph, really, this is the only thing that matters now. He says in verse 8, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. When Joseph says, It was not you that sent me here, but God, he means your part in sending me here, that's no longer important. Forget it. As he said to his brother straight away, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because there's a whole other thing going on. And in saying this, he shows that he has forgiven the brothers already. He doesn't say, are you going to ask for forgiveness? He doesn't say, I forgive you. They need not ask and he need not say the words. That, as far as he's concerned, is all over. This double revelation, therefore, falls on the brothers like a thunderclap. Firstly, 
Joseph is alive and is completely well disposed towards them. There's no anger, there's no vengeance, there's no recrimination. And secondly, that Joseph will guarantee not just their survival, but their flourishing. And they hear this in the message they are to take to Joseph. Now hurry back to my father, he says, and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. All this has been developing. It's been coming for years, but unbeknownst to them, these brothers in an instant, it's unveiled. And this salvation is complete and it's simply to be believed and received with thanks and with wonder. It's all been done for them by God. They didn't deserve it. They didn't organise it. They contributed nothing to it. God has achieved their salvation in and through and despite their sin. That is what they contributed, if you like. Their selling of their brother. It's a shocking revelation. A wonderful situation. Awesome. There's the second revelation. Here's the third. The third hidden work of God's grace This is revealed to Jacob. And it is that, look, his dead son, his dead son, the son he had thought was gone years ago, he is alive and well. And that he can go down to see him in Egypt with confidence. A morose, stubborn, negative, complaining Jacob undergoes his own transformation. Uh, We've heard these kind of words from Jacob before. Everything is against me. You will bring my grey head down to the grave in sorrow. He's not been an easy fellow to live with. True, last time we were with Jacob, there was a slight improvement. He went from miserable to resigned. It was like, if it must be, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. How does Jacob go then when his sons come like angels with news of resurrection from the dead verse 25 so they went up out of egypt and came to their father jacob in the land of canaan they told him joseph is still alive in fact he is ruler of all egypt jacob was stunned he did not believe them when they told him everything joseph had said to them and when they saw the carts joseph had sent back sent to carry him back the spirit of their father Jacob revived and Israel said I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive I will go and see him before I die now if Roald Dahl were telling the story he might tell it like this with apologies to Grandpa Joe and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory Jacob leaned forward and took a close look at the carts the others watched him waiting for the verdict Then, very slowly with a slow and marvelous grin spreading all over his face Jacob lifted his head and looked straight at Judah the color was rushing to his cheeks and his eyes were wide open shining with joy and in the center of each eye right in the very center 
in the black pupil, a little spark of wild excitement was slowly dancing. Then the old man took a deep breath and suddenly, with no warning whatsoever, an explosion seemed to take place inside him. He threw up his arms and yelled, Yippee! At the same time, his long, bony body rose up out of the bed and his bowl of soup went flying into the face of Reuben. In one fantastic leap, this old fellow of 96 and a half who hadn't been out of bed these 20 years jumped on the floor and started doing a dance of victory in his pyjamas. And Israel said, I am convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go down and see him before I die. A transformation by a revelation of grace indeed. And that all this is of God is cemented in the vision Jacob has at Beersheba, which is the last stop before the desert journey to Egypt. And we read that God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. There's our happy ending. An ending full of reconciliation, full of the promise of reunion, of deliverance, of plenty, of life in the face of death, of good worked in and through and despite evil, and peace at last for Jacob. I have one reflection today on this. And it's to do with this. The hidden work of God's grace achieves our salvation in and through and despite our sin. The story of Joseph and Jacob and this hidden work of grace and deliverance is a kind of preliminary story of God's salvation, a prototypical example of it. The big ultimate One is God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And they share this same character, that the hidden work of God's grace achieves our salvation in, through and despite our sin. Because the death of Christ had the same double intention at work as the selling of Joseph. The first Christians knew this. They knew that although human beings intended, really intended and really did kill Christ, it was also that God intended to save through Christ, through his death. Both of those intentions were at work and fulfilled. And so they prayed, the apostles prayed in Acts 4.27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And when the apostles preached in Jerusalem to those who had seen Jesus condemned and crucified, they say, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Human sin cannot thwart God or his plans to bless. Indeed, human sin serves here God's intention to save and to bless. 
And in our Gospel reading, Jesus sets out the will of God that he has been sent to fulfil. Let's have a look at that. Verse 38 of John 6. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Uh, Miss Prism said about her novel to Cecily, the good ended happily and the bad unhappily. That is what fiction means. And you might say, yes, it is indeed fiction that in this life the good reliably end happily and the bad reliably end unhappily. That is fiction and the Bible and the world is full of complaints about the injustice actually of the world and of the fates of many people in it. Jacob's story is a story that does come good in his own lifetime, but Jesus' story doesn't. Jesus dies the good at the hands of those who wished him ill and and conspired and engineered his demise. Jesus ends on the cross, humanly speaking. His story only comes good in resurrection. And our story in Christ will only come good in resurrection. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. The kind of stunning, wonderful, incredible experience that Jacob had when he heard Joseph is alive is the kind of stunning, wonderful, incredible experience that Mary Magdalene and her friends had when they went to Jesus' tomb and the angel told them he is not here. He is risen. And that will be the kind of stunning, wonderful, incredible experience that all who come to Jesus will have at the last day. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. At the last day, the hidden work of God's grace that is going on all the time will be fully and finally revealed. And all will see that God has worked his salvation in and through and despite all our sin, all our bad intent and ignorance. To him be the glory. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the way that your hidden grace was at work in the lives of Joseph and his brothers and that it was revealed to them that the brothers saw, heard, experienced the reappearance of Joseph, his grace to them, his forgiveness of their sins and his provision for them in their dire need. And we praise you for the way that Jacob experienced the resurrection of his son from the dead and reunion with him against all hope and expectation. And Lord, we praise you that you are a God who continues to work through grace and through hidden grace and that we look forward to the revelation of that fully and finally, Lord. We may get tastes in this life, but we look forward to the last day when Jesus will raise up all who believe in him and that we will have through him eternal life in or despite our sin our bad intent despite our ignorance so lord we give you the glory amen